Welcome back to the Wasatch Brothers Real Estate Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Wasatch. Oh, I almost said Wasatch Wheeler, <laughs> Wasatch Brothers Real Estate Podcast. We have another really special guest coming at you. Her name is Aviva Sonnenreich. It is not Polish. It is German, but she does have Polish in her. Mm-hmm. Um, she is an official member of Forbes Real Estate Council and is a writer for Forbes Real Estate. When she gets the time, she just barely hit half a million TikTok followers, which is huge. We're going to get into that. And then over the last few years, she has grown the portfolio or her portfolio to over 100,000 square feet. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Add it on to there. the portfolio. You know, okay. just counting, but it's good. <laughs> awesome. So Aviva is joining us from Denver. I think you're their first out of state or most people have been in Utah. So this will be a cool podcast and uh, hopefully you can give us some insight into the Denver market and the Colorado market. But um, when you type in Sonnenreich, your website actually pops up, sonnenreich.com. And you're a multi-generational, family-owned uh, brokerage. Correct. Um, so, so tell us, I, I think that's a good place to start. Tell us maybe the history of Sonnenreich, how it got started by your family, and then Maybe you as a kid being uh, raised in the real estate world and just how it all started to blossom. So I'm glad you all are from or spent time in Denver because I can talk about some things that you'll understand. Long story short, my grandparents came to America uh, fleeing Nazi Germany in 1950 with $40. Epic Epic immigrant story, story started with the duplex family lived in one side, rented out the other. And my grandpa just like understood real estate, Um, you know, went to a triplex. And then from residential, he went into motels on Colfax because there was just a lot of action at at motels on Colfax. And my family had a bunch of those up through the nineties. So did he immigrate and his first duplex was in Colorado or where was it? Yeah, they okay. immigrated. Work, you know, he worked for a while in a kill house, and eventually bought the first property on the west side on Fifteenth and Julian. Still there today, cool. um, but in the eighties, he bought the first warehouse, and we still own the warehouse. I lease the warehouse. I manage the warehouse. I am obsessed with this warehouse because I never met my grandfather, but he leave, he obviously left an incredible legacy and he was very forward thinking. This was at a time where warehouses were not cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they're still cool, but I think they're cool. So that's, that's <laughs> the point. Um, but so my family came to America and just worked their way up in real estate. He was so residential focused that my father knew he never wanted to be in residential. And once he started dealing with that first warehouse, uh, my dad saw the benefits of warehousing. So as time progressed through the nine in the nineties, dad started pulling together partnerships, buying warehouses in uh, the Denver Metro area. He was buying them for, you know, $30 a foot. I was going to ask you that. That's crazy. (laughs) Uh, I wish. He was buying warehouses uh, for $50 a foot 15, 15 years ago, 10, 15 <laughs> years ago. And now, so, now what is it about? What's it about average? One, 140, easy. Wow. Easy. That's crazy. <clears throat> I know. But, but we, family motto, but, buy, hold, never sell, party on the profits. So we don't calculate the price of the properties because we're never going to sell them. Oh, that's great. Okay. So, um, something I think that I know what small bay warehousing is. I saw you just recently made a video about it. And, um, I think I just recently heard about it where is that kind of where, I mean, tell us what it is and I'll, we'll see if it's the same thing of what I was thinking. This is you buy a warehouse that's 
10 to 30,000 square feet, but the units are no more than 2,000 square feet each, 1,500, 2,000. The United States is a country of small businesses and every small business needs somewhere to go once they've filled up their garage, filled up their basement, filled up a storage unit, and their, you know, their wives or husbands are freaking out about their business in the house and they need a small warehouse. And the reality is that these small warehouse units, we can lease like stupid fast, like, <laughs> like popcorn. And so small bay <laughs> warehousing is like a really approachable way to help small business owners get their footing um, and start into their first commercial space. And I just want to say something that we noticed during the pandemic. The second the pandemic hit, big national companies just all said, sorry, guys, we're not paying, you know, the, we heard about it in the news, the Cheesecake Factory and Best Buy, all these people said, sorry, but the small businesses showed up with their checks on the first of the month and continued to do so. So small bay warehousing is meant for small businesses and uh, it's just our bread and butter and we love helping small businesses by providing them a space to operate. That's cool. So basically you take the warehouse, you divide it up. And here's what I had explained to me. It was like a warehouse divided up and it was, it ran kind of long ways. They'd have almost like a small office type thing in the front, maybe one in a bathroom and then a door. And then you go in the back and then you go through that door and they have their own, their warehouse back there. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. Ideally, okay. ideally 90, 90%, 90% uh, warehouse, five, 10% office, hopefully a bathroom and a bay door. Yeah. That's it. That's cool. So the guy that told me that he, he's rent, he's the same thing. He has um, a small business, runs it out of his home. He's a contractor and garage is filled with all of this <laughs> stuff. And he's like, I need a space. It's exactly what you explained. He has a couple trucks, uh, oh, some yeah. trailers, a storage shed. And he's like, I have to condense. And so he goes to this place, he's renting it. And he talks to the landlord while he's there. And you know, this guy's 55 years old and he has, uh, I think this building has 25 or 30 units and he rents them out in this spot for a thousand bucks a month. And I was like, dude, 35, uh, 25 to 30,000 a month residual. And the guy told him the landlord used to be a builder. And he said, dude, this is the best investment I've ever done. And wow. I thought I need to do that. Uh, you know, a big thing about it is it's too expensive right now to build them. You drive around. I don't know what it's like in Utah. You drive around here in town. They're only building a class, a hundred thousand square foot plus warehouses. So, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's, and that's great. There's a huge need for it. Hope I can cop some one day. However, <laughs> they're not building these small warehouses because it's too expensive. It was too expensive to build them pre-pandemic. Now, with all the crazy pricing in development uh, here in 2021, it's way too expensive to build them. And so yeah. the way supply and demand works and with the changes in e-commerce and cannabis, et cetera, et cetera, there's just more and more demand for this type of small space. So Dang, that's really cool. I love it. The secret is getting out, which makes it harder and makes prices go up and cap rates go down. But we're, this is the beginning of um, people starting to understand this. And I just say, go find them. Yeah. So. Yeah. I remember when we were in Denver, remember you'd be driving down the freeway and you just smell uh the weed plants like you drive back past a huge big one and then sometimes people would just be smoking right in their car and you'd look over and it was just kind of would trip us out because we're not used to that in utah (laughs) it was weird from us in utah yeah it was like a different world you're not even worried about it (laughs) oh yeah somebody walking down the street with a bong in their hand you're like (laughs) you're like what's up man have a good day (laughs) no more like hey you want to be friends (laughs) (laughs) hey i <laughs> I think it's better than a bottle, so let them yeah. have it. So, yeah. I was I'm curious like your childhood, what at what age did your dad start teaching this stuff or did you become interested? Were you always interested? Was he like pushing it on you or what did it just come natural? 
kind of take us back to that, that experience of your childhood and what it was like. Growing up, there were always places where we, like whenever we would drive to the airport, first we'd have to stop at every warehouse on the way, yeah. right? Denver, Aurora, <laughs> the airport. And, it, and I, it drove me nuts. It's like, why are we always doing this? Which is funny because now I 100% do the same thing. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I always grew up looking at these properties, you know, I didn't, I was a kid who I didn't care. Um, high school. I still didn't care. I had a DJ career in college, so I was more into that. Oh, yeah. oh and, nice. But I, I did the D I, I called DJ. I did DJing in real estate. Um, I saw how my mom's a dentist. Dad worked in real estate and I saw how hard my mom worked and how my dad had a more flexible, more profitable lifestyle. And so it was like very obvious to me. Um, but I, luckily I really liked it. And, um, I try, I have tried a lot of things and I have failed at a lot of things. And real estate's one of the few things I have not failed at. I'm not going to fail. I was going to say, yet. Yeah, I won't fail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, you know, I'm, you couldn't convince me I'm not the luckiest person in the world. Cause I got the best mentor ever. Yeah. You but, did get pretty lucky. Yeah. But <laughs> luckily it's, it just, dad and I work really well together and I love what we do. And so it, I never had a, like a desk job or a corporate America job. It was pretty, pretty straight into, I was a waitress when I started brokerage cause I had to make money somehow. Um, mm -hmm. but straight from DJ waitress into real estate. So you kind of were like naturally drawn to it because of the lifestyle your dad was able to live. Is that right? Yeah. Because we would be on vacation sitting on a beach and he would look at me and he said, you know what I'm doing right now? And I said, what? He said, I'm making money. And <laughs> he always said that. And it clearly resonated. So that's, yeah, are. that's so cool. That's so yeah. cool. I want to meet your dad too. <laughs> I'm at his house. You know, he pops in once in a while. Yeah. I, I was okay. just going to say, I think we need to do another episode with your dad because a lot of times people that are older, it, he, he reminds me just hearing a little bit about him, my, of my grandpa. My grandpa had a, construction business and then retired really early and was bored. So he got into commercial real estate and made another fortune. But, you know, I, I'd be driving with my grandpa and he'd just take these off roads and these back roads <laughs> and he'd point out a building and say uh, this and this. It's like, how do you know all this stuff about all these buildings? He can remember everything. But my point was the people that are older and have had experience and maybe have had enough money where they don't really care. Those are some of the, <laughs> the funnest oh, people yeah. to talk to because they are hilarious. They'll tell you their true feelings about everything. And I, I have a feeling that's how your dad is. Oh yeah. Is he, he's a fun, he's like Larry David, you know, he just, <laughs> he's like, I, I would love to get him if you all want to do another show with the old man. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. He's I a gem. I think we'd have a lot of uh, TikTok videos that we could just <laughs> cut out and put to TikTok. I'm with it. He doesn't so, get it, so, but I'm yeah. There. So tell us a little bit more about TikTok because I actually didn't even start my TikTok until I became a real estate agent. I went to school for social media marketing and <laughs> it wasn't even, I mean, that was only a couple years ago, I feel like. It wasn't even being talked about when I was studying social media marketing and yeah. it's blown up. And I kind of just like, oh man, there's so many platforms already out there that I don't want to jump into it. But then when you get in real estate, you think, okay, well, these younger generations are on it. And if I want to be where the future's going, I, I should be on it. But I don't know how long you've been on it. You have over half a million <clears throat> followers. I watch your stuff. It's hilarious. Uh, one of my favorite videos of yours is, is when it said, men, this is how you turn off the lights and you just turn the light off. And I watched it over and over. I showed it to my wife. I was like, this is genius. It's so simple. But I was listening to a radio show or it might have been a podcast or radio show explaining like, okay, Facebook is a place where people can go and argue uh, Instagram is a place where people can go and show off and they can show you like their perfect lifestyle. 
And then TikTok is just a party. Like we all want to have fun. We basically want to make you laugh. And that's all people are trying to do on there. Give us your take on, on what TikTok is and why you've been so successful at it. So my strategy with TikTok is, um, uh, you know, we don't get to choose where people's attentions are. We get to choose if we play into it or not. And I am, I love looking at trends and I love history. And I noticed that MySpace was sick, loved it. <laughs> um, and then Facebook was sick and MySpace died. And then Instagram was everything. And so it was like, okay. There's very clearly a trend where they rise and they fall and here's the next one. And as a result, we have to be uh, flexible because the world moves so fast. So I'll be honest, I'm just an avid Gary V listener and (laughs) Gary started talking about TikTok and it was like, he did. uh, And and here's another thing is when I was a DJ, I would, you know, I learned everything about social media marketing as a musician and it was post um, flaunty mm-hmm. shit that nobody cares about. <laughs> I shouldn't cut. It was just, you know, flash how cool you are, flash how cool you are. And nobody cares. Nobody wants to see how cool you think you are or your small achievements. Nobody cares. So, by posting and posting and posting and never growing a following, eventually it clicked that when I, my approach with real estate was going to have to be a value add approach where it was like, I, I'm not here to flash money. I think that's stupid. I'm here to teach people and hopefully they will, you know, take that and want to follow me more. And so my approach with real, uh, TikTok in terms of real estate has just been, provide people with information. And what I have found, which is so funny to me is like the content that performs the best is 100% literally the most simple stuff. Like I have to like focus on dumbing it down to a level that's like, to to a level that I think people are going to be like, what, you know, like this is stupid. And it's like, people (laughs) love it because people don't like I am overwhelmed by how many people grow up in households that they don't even know you could buy a house, rent it out and make income. Yeah. Whereas that's been the lifeblood of my family our entire that's all time. All you think about It's all like it's everything. It's literally <laughs> it's like my family came to America. It was like Yeah. How are we going to get this this going? And so people just don't know cool. that. And so and more people don't know it than do know it. And so teaching people, you know, I love TikTok because it's an opportunity to break down the gate that the gatekeepers have put up. Commercial real estate is very, very white and very, very uh, male driven. And they've been, they've done a great job of gatekeeping the industry. And I think it's one of the few industries that still, there's no information about investing in warehouses on the internet. That'll change soon. But, um, (laughs) your uh, website coming soon. (laughs) Well, I, am going to put out, I'm putting out a warehouse workshop, but that's in the future. But, um, it's been an incredible opportunity to teach people about industries that they would not have learned about, um, without the power of TikTok or Instagram. And I feel very privileged to be able to share what is realistically my privilege with other people. That's really cool that you're willing to do that because I think that, I don't know. I just think that, I mean, that's why you're, that's why you've gained so much traction on TikTok. It's because you're, you're not being, you know, you're not telling everyone something, but like withholding information so that they don't totally understand it, which I feel like happens a lot. Um, you know, kind of dance around it. Like you said, before we started talking, you said, Hey, I don't have any secrets. I'm an open book. Yeah. yeah, there's been multiple of your videos that I've learned something. And I mean, they're TikTok. They're not very long videos, like 15, 10 seconds. But it's like, man, I need to remember this and I'll save it to my phone. And I know I have like my grandpa who probably knows a ton about it. But 
he's the kind of type where it's like, well, go learn yourself. <laughs> like that's how I did it. I didn't have anybody teaching me go figure it out. And so it, it is, it is awesome because you're in a situation where not many people uh, have the mentors you've had or had it in their family and you, you kind of have just grown up with it. And I think that's, I think it's really um, shows what type of person you are, because I think a lot of people can just, you know, maybe say, Oh, I know this and get on their high horse and not share it with people. But I think you realize that you have this knowledge and that you are lucky and that it's your job to help other people spread it. And not, there is not a lot of, there are not a lot of people that want to do that and share their knowledge. My grandpa being one of them, as much as I love him, he's, he's a hard (laughs) A and he just wants you to figure it out, but it really does, you know, help people that are starting off or, or have no idea how to um, better their future or their family's legacy or anything. So um, I, I think from my experience of you on TikTok and just watching you, um, I think that's why your TikTok does so good because you are sharing this information. It's a, it's a place where people can come and actually get a true value for, for Thanks for doing that. Hey, it's uh, I I do believe in the karma bank. Yeah. (laughs) So So I have a question for you. So if somebody, if you were to have somebody new and they're like, Hey, I want to get into what your family did, what would you say to them? I would say pull up the Google machine and Google industrial real estate in your city, industrial real estate, Denver, and then do some research and find who kills it the hardest in the industry, call them, take them to coffee, and then offer to work for them for free and work harder than they expect. Okay, explain working for free because I've heard this all the time. Work for free um, to get an in somewhere, and I think a lot of people are hesitant to work for free. Either one, they have a job and they have to provide for a family. But what do you mean? Like, tell people what what is working for free? What am I going to offer them? This is what I mean. If you want to go be a doctor, you're going to go to pay for medical <clears throat> school, depending on what kind of doctor, for the next eight to fifteen years. And you're going to pay for it. You're going to work like a maniac. And then you're going to make a ton of money on the other side in your late thirties and forties. If you want to have, if you want to have the comfort of a, uh, if you want to have a comfortable bank account is what I'm saying. You got to put in the work somewhere. Now, the cool thing about real estate is that, It's way easier than becoming a doctor. It's way easier than becoming a lawyer. Uh, uh, I worked for free. I was a waitress at night. It sucked. I did it for about a year. (laughs) That's literally no time. A year in our life is like goes by in the blink of an eye. And Mm -hmm. the reward to putting in that work is so, so significant in the long-term perspective of your life. Uh, that what we say, what my dad says is you work hard when you're young and you play hard when you're old or you play hard when you're young and you work hard when you're old. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I just want to hang out on a beach when I'm old. I don't want anything else. So I, uh, (laughs) so it's like put in the work in commercial real estate. It's way easier than almost any industry. And there's no ceiling to how much you can make sort of. I mean, I know brokers who take home, you know, 700 plus a year. If you want to. Not bad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to have the responsibility, if you want to live that lifestyle, you got to put in the work at some point. And it's so much easier in commercial real estate than most other professions. So what's this chatter where everyone's like, oh, yeah, during the pandemic, like commercial real estate is dead. Like people aren't going to need offices anymore because people can work from home. Like what what's going on? I love those people because hopefully they can can keep some buyers out of this crazy buyer pool. (laughs) Uh, Retail is doing fine. Big box retail. Okay. This, I'm not jealous of big box retail owners. There's changes that are eminent. Small retail, for the most part, is okay. 
office space, it's going to be fine. It's taken a hit. It's not been glamorous this last year. It's still going to be a necessary thing moving forward. Yes, maybe maybe it's a little overbuilt, but I'm not hedging against office space. And then warehousing is better than ever. Like I've heard we, industrial is just slaying it. We thought like when March hit, it was like, oh my God, like in 2008, we had properties that were empty for over a year, completely empty. Fast forward to the next economic downturn, no vacancy. And that's a combination. I call it the three C's, even though one is not a C, cannabis, (laughs) e-commerce, and COVID has just made warehousing insane. And so, uh, like I said, people could keep fear-mongering about commercial real estate. Though people who do that have no idea what they're talking about, and that's okay. <laughs> so. That's funny, yeah. I've heard that. I'm not even in commercial real estate. I do residential right now, and just I've heard people talk about it. And I don't know. I guess I could see – at one point, I could see where they're coming from, but then – I just, the last company I worked for a little while ago, they just opened up a new building down in, they call it Silicon Slopes. It's in Lehigh. It's a ton of tech companies are there. It's like a mini um, Silicon Valley. And so um, they just built a huge building there and it's construction started the end of 2019 and then COVID hit and then everyone was working from home and it was, uh, it was tech sales. And so you just do it on a computer online. And so you know, their sales teams kept going just fine. And I, I had the thought, man, like they just built this. I mean, I don't know how much it costs, but it ha- it's so nice. And I just saw that they released some footage of, Hey, here's a sneak peek at our building and being on a sales team, you know, maybe there are some people that would want to work from home, but there's something about like going into the office, being around your coworkers and rubbing shoulders with them and sales is so competitive being around other people and seeing them do well makes you want to do well. I saw the yeah. footage and I thought, but yeah, like that would be fun to go in and to the office that day and have all those perks that they have. So I don't think that it's going to be, I think I'm on board with you. I don't think it's going to be, you know, maybe some changes to big box stores, but uh, it's not like it was a huge doom and gloom. Like I've heard at least. No. What people don't realize, I'm sorry, my parents' bird is screaming in the back. What people don't <laughs> realize about commercial about commercial real estate is that every single thing we own is in a warehouse at some point. Like, and I know that only pertains to warehousing because I could talk about warehousing all day. But like, guys, like, where do you think all this crap in our house is comes from? Like, it just like, shows oh. up from Amazon. <laughs> Just like, just like straight from China. Like, what do you think? Like, <laughs> they make it and just send it right to you. You know, I noticed uh, the first, the most recent season of Shark Tank. Every new business in the post-COVID seasons of Shark Tank, they're all warehouse. You know, every single business is direct to consumer from a warehouse. And it's interesting. I'm, I'm not saying there's still a huge place for retail. Uh, restaurants, venues, dry cleaners, salons, gyms, etc. There's still a huge need for that stuff. Um, and office space, it's just like you're saying, we all get things done more efficiently in the office. And, and oh, yeah. community culture, you know, work culture, whatever. But like I said, I, I don't, I don't feel bad for anybody who owns commercial real estate right now. And uh, if people want to, fear monger on the internet i welcome it because like i said more for us yeah the numbers are speaking for themselves huh yeah that's cool yeah i i I think it me and darren are both in residential and i think the big thing right now with buyers too is i think uh 2008 was so jordan is that your dog yeah my grandma's dogs are going crazy can you hear them Oh yeah. I, I tried muting myself, but <laughs> they're, they're uh, pretty loud. Sorry to cut you off. No. <laughs> Sorry. Should I go kick them? <laughs> so I was going to say, basically the buyers are 2008 was so recent, I guess in their minds that they're a huge thing as well. I feel like everything's growing so fast that there's going to be another, another recession. 
And so there's a lot of people saying, oh, we need to wait. But it's a historic time in Utah because housing prices are appreciating so fast. What would you say to people like that? Like, that's that's one of my biggest things. It's like, how, how do you help someone overcome that fear of another downturn? Yeah, uh, it's it's so funny. Like, people in our society right now, just want to read a headline and know everything. And then they could pick up the phone and record their thoughts on it. And then like people will believe them. So there's so much um, just like crap on the internet that people believe. And what happened with the housing market in 2008 is, has nothing to do with what's going on right now. And the real, and, and you all know more about housing than I do, but in my opinion, the real housing issue in our country is a lack of supply. And the very, very basic things that we learned in high school, supply and demand has it, that when supply is low, demand goes up. And that's why we're seeing prices going up. Do I think eventually this appreciation is going to have this party of appreciation is going to have to come to an end? Of course. But do I think there's going to be a bubble that's going to burst similar to 2008? No, every these are completely different situations, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I mean, I was looking, I got a magazine from our whatever our board, maybe it's from the NAR, I can't remember if it's local or from the I think it was national actually. Anyways. Um, in Q4 of 2020, there was 20% more cash buyers in our market down here. So like, what does that say? There's really strong buyers coming in. They're not, it's not like they're financing everything there. You know, we saw a crazy increase in cash buyers just in our market. And I'm sure that we are not alone. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think the, the thing that I try to explain to people because I was an insurance agent at AAA, and and every day we had people coming in from California saying, hey, I need to register my car here. And I'd always ask them, where are you coming from? Where did you work? And most of them were coming because their companies are moving from California to Utah. My wife is from California, and her entire family is now in Utah. And that's the hardest thing to explain is people are, are saying, oh, this can't last. It, it won't last. But it's like, no, you have these tech companies that are coming that are paying their employees so well that you have cash offers and and most of them can't find a place. And in the county we live in alone, Darren, I think your brother shared this stat with us. There's 80,000 renters in Davis County, which is not the biggest county. 20,000 of the renters qualify to buy a home they just can't find a home. So we, we put an offer on a home. Oh, Friday for a buyer. And it was 35,000 over asking price. And they said it didn't even get looked at. And I, <laughs> I called the agent and I was like, what, like, why was it not high enough? And, sh- and they just said, no, just everybody's waiving appraisals, inspections. They're just doing whatever they can to get a home. So it's really crazy what people are doing. And then, and then you fight with that uh, the integrity of being a good agent is like, well, do I recommend my buyer to not do an appraisal or not do an inspection? It's like, uh, I guess you have to disclose and say, if you, if you really love this house and want to buy it, that's your choice. But it's hard for me to recommend not doing an inspection, not doing an appraisal. Cause if something does go bad with that home, then your reputation's on the line and possibly your, your buyer just being really upset with you. So is, is, is there any situation that you've dealt like that or maybe even just your thoughts on, on, on what I just explained? Oh yeah. It's insane. Right. And I would never buy a property without inspections. Like that's nuts. That's what I think too. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. And as a broker, I think if we always just are honest and do the right thing and lay it out for people, in writing, then there, there's no more, you know, they have to be adults and make decisions for themselves. Look, you can buy this house. You can get an edge. You know, first off, everybody has to get turned down a couple times to really want something. And it's then, crazy how that happens. All of a sudden the switch flips after a couple missed offers and they're guns oh, blazing. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> look, you can say no to 
an inspection, but here are the risks. And I would advise against it, but like maybe you need a house more than, you know, what my advice is worth. And so it's crazy. I would never do it, but it's the market we're in right now. And it's, that's why I tell people to buy a house in November, December, January, and not in March, but yeah, I think so too. I'm on the same page as you. People are doing um, earnest money hard upon acceptance now. I don't know if you're if you've wow. seen that. Yeah, earnest money and not no small amount five ten thousand dollars. So at first I thought, man, that is just so crazy. That is so crazy. But I've been in a situation where if we wanted to compete for the house, we had to do some sort of that. So I explained to them, look. I don't necessarily like this, but if you want this house, this is what you have to do. And then I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I think that you just lay it out for them and explain it and let them know like pros and cons. And then everyone's adults. And if they're comfortable with it, then they can make that decision. I can't make that decision for them. You right. know, I have people buy houses that I would never buy because it's not in the area I like. I don't like the way it looks, but they love it. And that's, that's cool. That's totally cool. And so everybody's different. And I, I think that you just hit the nail on the head with that. Hey, yeah. My, uh, best friend is a residential broker and you know, like half of her clients hate her right now because <laughs> of the market. And she's just like, like pulling her, <laughs> just pulling her hair out being like, I don't have any control over this. Like they can't do showings until Thursdays, but they close the deadlines on Wednesdays. And yeah, and I'm, it's my fault, but that's our jobs as brokers is to get blamed for everything. So yeah. You know what? It's just navigating these waters. A, a, a coworker of mine was just telling me that they just got an offer accepted. It was the 15th offer that this client has put in. Oh my God. I was like, man, you're out there hustling. Good job, bro. Oh yeah. 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 We're working for it. We are, I, you know, commercial real estate and residential real estate are some of the biggest decisions people make. And, um, yep. last year was rough. Like, you know, nobody wanted to make a big decision last year, unless it was like, get me out of this apartment complex and into a house. People were into mm-hmm. that decision, but we're in the business of big decisions. And this uh, pandemic has not made it easy for us, but that's how we sharpen our chops and it'll make everything in the future easier. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. I've been telling myself that I thought, man, if I, if I make it through this, like, Cause there's a bunch of agents at my office who've been doing it for 20 years and, and they just talk about how crazy this is and it's the market I'm, I'm in. And I'm like, well, if I, they're saying this is really hard and I can get through this, then like I can get through anything. Like I'll be a successful agent. So that's, that's the outlook that I'm taking rather oh, yeah. than trying to be like despair. <laughs> yeah. That's how Ryan Serrant, uh, the big guy off million dollar listings in his book, he said that he got into real estate, uh, in 2008 when everything crumbled and he just had decided to, and he said, when he got into the industry, everyone was complaining about it. And he's like, it's all that I knew. So I didn't really have a choice. I didn't want to move back in with my parents. So I just hustled. And he said, I think that's what made me such a good agent because I, I got into it at such a hard time, but I learned. And then once it did get better, it got a lot, a lot easier for me. So I always remember that. Like if, if, Kind of like you said, Aviva, if, if we can make it through this and sharpen our tools and, and get better from it, it it'll only make, make us better in the future. Um, you know, I, I was doing a ton of industrial leasing at the, I really started during a huge uptick. I, I was not working in industrial in 2008 because I'm only 28 years old, but my dad, I, so I, everything was just gravy, you know, show up, lease it first sale, blah, blah, blah. Everything was so easy. And my dad would look You're at like me. Like I'm killing it. Yeah, I am <laughs> good at it. Yeah, exactly. And my dad looked at me and he said, one day when the economy falls, you're going to work a lot harder and make a lot less. And boy, was that exactly what I experienced the second <laughs> March, 2020 hit. And we're still going through it. And it's okay because it's the reality of a cyclical the cyclical world that we live in, mm-hmm. but if we can get through this, it's, it's all up from here. 
Yeah. 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 You can do it. My brokerage was built on in 2008. And like, those are just things that I remind myself about that like, yeah, bad stuff can come, but it's a cyclical world. We're going to come out of it. And there's people that are building businesses during hard times and they end up having success. And so like, if they can do it, then why can't I? Just like uh, we had a guest tell us that. I'm like, that's a great way to look at it. You know, we had some tenants, you know, everybody got hit in their own way in March of 2020. We had some tenants pivot their businesses in ways that were like, you know, like they soared. A great example, we have a tenant who did chalk for rock climbing, whatever, biggest Mm -hmm. purveyor of rock climbing chalk in the country. Well, all of the indoor gyms closed and he was you know his business was done yeah well he started then you know put their heads together and rolled out a the same chalk but with like an antibacterial whatever and now they're killing it selling antibacterial chalk they've been all over the news all over all you know because they made lemons with lemon that's cool now we have tenants. Yeah, they probably never would have thought of that if, if it weren't for the pandemic. No, but but we had tenants who could not make lemons out of lemonade, you know. And it's just this is just reality. It's just the world, you know. Things were so com- we would be crazy to think that things can't just change at the drop of a dime. And look what happened. And so you have to be uh shifty, nimble. I don't know the word. You got to be adaptive. Yeah, something. You, you got to be something, or else you're gonna. <laughs> or else it's not gonna be good. adaptable. Be adaptable. adaptable. You know? Yes. Yes. So, thank. So, you. Right. yeah. I, I I love talking business, and I love talking real estate. I and I I can tell just by talking to you over the last hour or so that you do too. But <laughs> we also like to talk about some fun stuff. So to me, um, it seems like you have a great personality and a great sense of humor. Where do you get that from? Who taught you how to be funny or what did you watch to be funny, like Saturday Night Live or what's your comedic outlet? And besides real estate, what else do you like to do for fun? Uh, I think I just, I'm like a carbon copy of my father. Like my, everybody says my mom just carried me and then I'm just... (laughs) the old man through and through. And so I just have, you know, recycled his humor. So I appreciate the kind words, uh, on that side. Uh, but you know, a lot of like what I find on the internet is just, you have to be yourself. You can't take everything so seriously and, uh, authentically, you know, I like to crack jokes here and there. Sometimes they're not funny. My fiance thinks a lot of my jokes are not funny, but that's, (laughs) Besides the point. Um, for fun, I kind of a workaholic. So like fun for me is posting on social media or like uh, learning other investment strategies, like really uh, nerding out on, you know, like I love learning about cryptocurrencies and the stock market and algorithms. And uh, what else do I do for fun? Work out, eat, play with my cats. So... <laughs> It's, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I want live music when we were allowed to do that. I'm excited for that to come back. So, yeah, Hey, Aviva, I'm going to have to send you this place. Um, do you like, um, like Greek food, Mediterranean food? Oh yeah. There is yeah. a place downtown. <clears throat> I have the, I have Probably it saved on my phone. It. You might, I'm going to send it to you. If you haven't, if you like food, it's so good. They have the best euros I've ever had in my whole life. Sold. And all right, I'll send it to you. I got. I can't remember the name. I think they might be. I can't remember. They might be Syrian, but I can't remember. They make euros there, and it is so good with hummus. Like they make a bunch of hummus there, and they sell it in some local stores around Denver. Is it the, it's the place catty corner to the Capitol. It's right. It's right down where like those one way streets are. I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. I should have got this before and it's on my phone and I'm recording on my phone right now. I'll have to send it later. Oh, okay. It's so good. It's okay. family owned. The family works in it. The sons. I think I, uh, it's across. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know exactly where you're talking about. I don't know the name either. I, I, yeah. So yummy. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a different concept, but I think they're Lebanese or Syrian. Like you said, it's it's bar. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's so <laughs> good. Whenever I go there, I have to. Whenever we would go visit my in-laws and Parker, we have to go up there every single time to go get a euro because it's like it's like six bucks and it's huge. You'll just be <laughs> filled up. One time I was starving. The first time I went there, I was so hungry and I thought, "Hey, man, can I I can get two of these?" And the and the the guy was like, "You don't need two. You just need one." <laughs> That's all you need. (laughs) Um, I want to get a quick Instagram live of us all hanging out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They can't hear, but everybody just say, hey. Yo, what's up? Okay. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Cool. I did that. I needed to do that. Podcasting with. That's great. Yeah. So well, I you did mention on things you like to do Bitcoin, and I actually started investing in Bitcoin. I wanted to talk about that, but we don't have time. So maybe we could have you back on uh, in a little bit and talk Bitcoin. But maybe you could give us your biggest predictions. Uh, I know Bitcoin's taking off like crazy. I I bought it around Christmas time, and it's it's crazy to look at it and see what it's at now. But what do you think is the other alternative to Bitcoin, like an alt- alternative coin that you're investing in or you see really exploding fast? I mean, not to be a total basic, but love Ethereum, love Cardano. I, I have like 10 different coins. My whole thing has been diversify, understand that some are going to die and some are going to do really well and buy it and hold it. Just hold on. What about so, what you do with... You- Yes, just like real estate, buy, hold, and yes. sell. Party on the profits. <laughs> what are your Instagram handles, just so I can tag you properly? Wasatch Wheeler and Wasatch Wilcox. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And we don't have a we don't have a Wasatch Brothers. We need to create one for Facebook and Instagram, probably. But we're so put busy. it on yeah. the to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with all, all right. the other things going on. Yeah, it's nuts. So, Aviva, I I appreciate you coming on. Me and Darren. Um, yeah, thank you so much. It was been, great to meet you. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having me. I uh, really appreciate you all reaching out, and I will have to have you on the Party on the Profits podcast. Yeah, we can't yes. wait. Okay. Uh, me and Darren have been friends for quite a while now. We've done a lot of business stuff together. We've always wanted to get the business together, and it kind of just made sense when we both got into real estate, and then we're like. Let's do a podcast. So when we okay. started this, there were three things that uh, we really wanted to do. First one was educate people. I think you did a fantastic job of that for us and whoever listens, because most of our stuff is residential. And so we're talking to people in the residential world. It's always nice to break off into another tentacle or branch to learn about things. Um, the second one would be to inspire. I think me and Darren, since we've been doing this, a lot of times those just start intertwining. When you educate, you start to inspire people. So I think it's very inspirational um, just hearing about your family and the way that you share your, your wealth of knowledge with other people. I think it's something as me and Darren continue in our careers with real estate that we'll, we'll start focusing on is, is creating, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Generational wealth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Value. Uh, Generational wealth. (laughs) Yeah. Value for other people to to come to. I think that's what really keeps people coming back. You've inspired me to get on TikTok more. I I, am an avid follower. I hope to reach half a million one day like you. So, uh, and then the last thing that we really, really want to do um, is connect with people. We felt like a podcast was a great way to connect with people. It allows us to meet with people uh, all over the country if we want to. Like you in Denver, you're our first out of out of state um, guest, so it's it's really awesome to be able to hear about a different market and pick your brain. But also with COVID going on, sometimes it's hard to meet with people and uh, just just spending an hour. And really getting, uh, really getting to connect because we're so busy that you know people are moving so fast. It's hard to have moments like this. So, 
it's it's something that's special to us. We hope that this keeps growing, and we're so glad that you are on here, and can't wait to have you back, and actually can't probably wait more to be on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The feeling is mutual. I really, really appreciate y'all reaching out, connecting, and uh, the world is small, so I look forward to talking again soon and again just uh totally totally appreciate you guys taking the time today yeah absolutely where can people if people want to reach out to you and get in touch with you um where where where's the best place for them to connect with you and reach out or whatever information you want to provide so you can go to tiktok at real estate source uh and then instagram real estate source underscore um, and then I do have a podcast called the Pro- Party on the Profits podcast uh, on all major retailers. So uh, if you DM me on Instagram, I will eventually respond to you. Yeah, Sweet. the funny thing uh, I want to end with this is I actually created a TikTok and searched real <laughs> estate. One, you popped up and I think I just followed you. And then you were doing a live, a live video one day and it popped up and I just tuned in. I had no idea who you were, how many followers, anything. I was just listening <laughs> to you talk about something real estate. And then I just typed in, will you be on our podcast? And you read it and said, sure, I'll be on your podcast. I was like, great. <laughs> we have a guest. And then when I looked into your your portfolio and your profile, I was like, wow, this is going to be fun. <laughs> so hey. uh, yeah, the power of social media and, and the way to connect, uh, here's a perfect example. And Hopefully this relationship keeps blooming and we can learn from you and, and you can learn from us and, and we can share our followers. (laughs) I look forward to it. Yeah. Hey, good people find each other and I'm really uh, grateful y'all reached out. So. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for spending the time. We really do appreciate it. It was so good to chat and get to know you and hear from you. Likewise. Let me know when this comes out so I can post it on my stuff as well. Absolutely. Sounds good. Cool. And next Thanks, time we, we, we'll have to meet your dad too. Yeah. The boss. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sure. All righty. We'll talk we'll to you later. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Have a good one. We'll see Bye. you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks.